A father and son had a beloved stallion that helped to provide for the needs of their family. And one day, the stallion ran away. The neighbors had quite a bit to say about this. They said, that is bad luck. The farmer said, maybe it isn't. Maybe it isn't. We'll see. A few days later, the stallion returned, this time with three mares. Oh, the, the neighbors heard about it and said, that is so lucky. To which the farmer said, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. We'll see. A few days later, the farmer's son was trying to uh, break one of the mares so that they could actually ride these horses. And he, he fell. He got through off and fell, and he broke his leg. The neighbors had a lot to say. That is bad luck. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't, said the farmer. We'll see. <laughs> A few days later, the, the army came through the, the, this, the Chinese village where they lived and conscripted every able-bodied young man into the army to go off and fight in the war. The neighbors said, that is so lucky that your son was, was recovering from an injury at the right time. To which the farmer said, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, we'll see. Now, I told that old, it's, a, it's an old Chinese proverb, but it, it is a kind of a good launch into the passage that we're going to be looking at today. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Acts chapter 28. It's the, the last part of, last paragraph, really, of Acts chapter 28, verses 17 through 31. And as we pick up the story, um, Paul, if you remember from last week in Acts 21, so Paul has made this long journey to Jerusalem. And the entire way there, uh, he's known, and the, there's all these prophets and these prophetic voices around him that are telling him, you go to Jerusalem, you're going to get arrested. And Paul goes anyway, knowing he's stepping into trouble. And of course, he does. The, prophet, the, the prophetic voices are absolutely right. He starts uh, teaching in Jerusalem in the temple courts, and there is a riotous mob that is, that is, well, looking to kill him. And in the midst of an assassination attempt, Paul, well, he declares, well, he reminds the officials of his Roman citizenship, and he demands a trial before Caesar. And in the chapters that follow up until chapter 28, we watch as Paul, uh, as he's making the journey to Rome, he has opportunity to share the gospel with all sorts of different regional officials. He gets to share his story many, many, many times, basically on an all-expenses-paid trip to trial. Good luck, bad luck, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. We'll see. We'll see. It's so interesting how, it, because we serve a sovereign God who is in control ultimately of everything, even in the midst of us having free will, we don't always know in the moment whether what we're going through is a good thing or a bad thing. Only time will tell. 
but as we pick things up, Paul is taking advantage of every opportunity. Now, you have probably never been in a situation where a riotous mob was trying to kill you. If you have, I'd like you to share the rest of the message today. That'd be super cool. Um, and I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad you made it through. But, but you would take, Paul took something that for any one of us, we would think, okay, that is about the worst moment of my life. And it ended up being something that, that was profoundly, well, it led to things that were profoundly good. So let's pick things up in Acts chapter 28. So get your Bibles out, your glow-in-the-dark Bibles out, whatever you want to do. And uh, we're going to read from, from 17 to 31. And then um, I just want to land on a couple of points this morning that I hope will be really helpful today. So Acts chapter 28, verses 17 to 31. Three days later, Paul, he called together the local Jewish leaders. And when they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I've done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk to you. It is because of this hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. They replied, we have not received any letters from Judea concerning you. That's great. And none of our people who have come come there have reported or said anything bad about you. We want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and, and came in, in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning until evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and, and from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's hearts have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. And some translations, and you might see this in the footnotes in your Bible, some translations add in there, after he said this, the Jews left, arguing uh, vigorously among themselves. Verse 30. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Amen. If if you ever get stuck in a riotous mob that's trying to take your life, hey, you never know. It could turn out well. But I want to make just two quick points today as we're looking at this passage. First one is this. So uh, 
the, the reason why Paul ended up in Rome is because he appealed to his, his Roman citizenship. He had this advantage because he, he was born in Tarsus because one of his parents was, uh, was, was already a Roman citizen. So therefore, he was a Roman citizen. And this passage teaches us something. And it, for important principle number one. Point number one, use every resource, opportunity, and advantage you have to tell people about Jesus. Every resource, every opportunity, and every advantage you have. Don't feel bad about the advantages you do have. Don't feel bad about the resources you do have. But realize everything that has been given to you, that has been entrusted to you, has been entrusted to you for a reason. And there is no more important cause than having people hear about and be able to respond to the love of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. So as you, as you think of the things that you have been given, whether that's your talent, whether that's your good looks, some of you have it, whether that's your resources, whether it's our advantages as American citizens and the ability to live in a free land, the freedom of speech, all those wonderful things, every advantage, whatever advantage you have, whatever opportunity you have, whatever gift you have, whatever resources you and I and we have, let's use them to tell people about Jesus. There is no more, there's no message more important than the message of Christ, right? So, you know, so here's Paul, here's a person who's not, he's not afraid to suffer. He's not afraid to lay down his life. He's not afraid to put other people's needs in front of his own. But when it comes to telling people about Jesus, he will take advantage of every opportunity thrown his way. Gets me thinking about even, you know, one of the things I'm excited about for us as a congregation is that in the, in the upcoming year, we're going to be using some of the resources and advantages that we have in order to try to tell more people about Jesus. So, like, you've probably been hearing about this. I just want to put one, kind of make a missional connection with with something that we are about to do. We're getting ready, folks, to build a playground, right? So, you might have seen the the artist renderings, something a little bit like this. And thanks to uh, the incredible generosity of this congregation, while I do not have the exact numbers, and I'm so sorry, we are really, really close, if not already there. Brett Dunn? Say what that? 21,000 raised. 21,000 raised, OK. Which, thanks to a family that is doing matching funds, that puts us to 21 times 2 is 42. 42, the meaning and purpose of life. Some of you know that already. That's right. So 42. And given the amounts that have already been, already been raised, that puts us right on target for, for, the, for the kind of the final thing that we're, that we're trying to do. Now, here's the reason why we're, we're, we're looking to do this playground. You can take down the artist rendering if you don't mind. Thanks, guys. Is that um, what we are trying to do with this playground is utilize our second most valuable asset to help people connect with our first most valuable asset. Our number one most valuable asset is you, y'all, this congregation. You're a, you're a group of people who are really honestly trying to love like Jesus. And you're actually pretty nice folks. And we, we have been entrusted 
with a pretty amazing location. Because about 10 years ago, another group of very, well, I mean, many of you were also there, and many of you are, have, have come since that time, made some pretty missional, pretty bold moves to be able to take advantage of a property that was for sale here. And so we find ourselves with 11 acres in, in a part of the community that is going to be developing up pretty quickly. And we find ourselves with 11 acres in a part of the community that as we look around, there's... Um, Well, there aren't many gathering places. Where's the closest park in East Wenatchee? Right on the other side of the river. Or quite a ways south. And we have some wonderful parks in Chelan and Douglas County. Oh, we are so grateful for them. And for families that live in this neighborhood, it's a little bit, it it requires a bit of a trip. So we're looking forward to having, as a starting point at least, a playground so that especially our younger families in the immediate region have a safe place where their kids can play. And you know what's going to happen as they bring their kids to find a safe place for their kids to play? Is they're going to bump shoulders with some of you. And that can be life-changing. Take advantage of every opportunity, every resource that we have so we're looking to do that. Now, thankfully, this is, this, this is a lot easier than taking advantage of a, of a riotous mob trying to kill you. Hopefully, it won't turn into that. I don't think it will. Not, I haven't met anybody that is super upset about the idea of a playground. But the principle is the same. Whatever, whatever resource you have been entrusted with, we have been entrusted with, use it. Use it to lead people to Jesus. So as long as we have the advantage of of this property in this kind of a location, we're going to be doing everything we can to let this place be a place that helps people to encounter the life-changing message of Christ. We're going to be looking for that opportunity. We want to do that in winsome ways that demonstrate the love of Christ as we do it. So I'm so excited we get to be on that journey together. So that's the first principle. And we just see that even in Acts chapter 28 in the way that Paul lives and how he, how he conducts himself and how he handles the situations and opportunities and circumstances that are thrown his way. That's the first big point. Let's look at the next one. Second big idea is this. God is present and active So be open. And now, Acts chapter 28 ends with a little bit of a warning. I want to take us back through a passage there and maybe unpack that a little bit. So Acts 28, verses 26 through 28, reads this. Go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but not perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. Now, this is, this is Paul requoting from Isaiah chapter 9. And if these words sound really familiar, it's because this passage, this passage in Isaiah 9, shows up five times in the New Testament. Four of them on the lips of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record Jesus like quoting, requoting this very same passage. And, and this is the idea. He's saying you've got all the information right in front of you and somehow you are missing it. 
Now, Jesus was talking about this as he's, as he's um, as people are mystified by his parables. He's telling these stories and people are going, I don't get it. And so Jesus, Jesus requotes this, this prophecy. Now, and what Paul is talking about here is he's talking, he's talking to the Jews. He's saying, hey, listen, you, you have got the Holy Scriptures. You've been entrusted with the Holy Scriptures. And for more than a thousand years, you've had all these passages, all these passages that are pointing to Jesus. You realize that every, every page of the Old Testament ultimately connects with Jesus? That the Old Testament, or what you might even call the First Testament, every passage, every page ultimately points us to Jesus. Sometimes it's a prophecy about Jesus. Sometimes it's an illustration as to why we need Christ, so we actually see human depravity spinning out of control. Sometimes it's the, it's the more poetic passages that talk about what it means to encounter God and his love in daily life or to express your pain to God and finding him there to meet you in it. But every single page, every passage points to Jesus. And, and, and the Apostle Paul here to, to his Jewish audience is saying, how can you be looking right at it and not see it? And yet so many miss it. Now, even though this passage is first aimed at the Jews, and, and, and this is something that Paul is saying to kind of spur them into seeing what's right in front of them, I think this passage has something to say to us today as well. That's the way that biblical prophecy works. It tends to just reverberate forward through time. These are words that are so true that they just continue to be true in new and different ways in every generation. Do you realize that we, right now, right here, we live in a time in human history where we have more scientific awareness and evidence for the existence of God than at any other point in human history. Are you aware of that? So whether that is in things like astronomy, where you know, we, we, we see the expansion of the universe, and, if the, and at the rate the universe is expanding, and the way the universe is expanding is expanding, it means that there must have been a point where it came out like the theory of the Big Bang. And if there was a moment of creation for our universe, that points to a creator. We have more evidence in biology now than at any other point in human history, including the, um, the irreducible complexity of DNA, which lives in every cell of every living organism on the planet. There is language in every cell of every living organism on the planet. Irreducibly complex language. It is right there. Quantum physics, neurobiology. You take a deep look in any one of those fields and we see evidence, abundant evidence that we are created beings and there is a creator. We live in an era where there is more evidence of the reality of God available to us and for the most part, and in so many ways, though, though I mean, um, it is a lie that, that the, the top scientists of the world are atheists. I mean, granted, there are plenty of them, unfortunately, 
who, who are looking at the evidence and cannot see it, but many, 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 many of the top scientists in the world, whether they would voice it in Christian terms or not, are, are cle- like, I mean, see the evidence for the reality of God. Do you have your phone with you? Pull it out for a sec? Okay. Now, some of you are on the Bible app right now, and you're following along. So as I open up the Bible app on my phone, right there, underneath my fingertips, are 72 English translations of the Bible. That's just the English translations of the Bible. I've also, I also use an app quite frequently, one called um, the Blue Letter Bible, which I just highly recommend to you, especially if you're looking to do anything scholarly. Then you've got like the Strong's, Strong's numbers, so you've got uh, Greek and Hebrew translational tools, you've got Bible commentaries, you've got Bible dictionaries, you've got Bible encyclopedias, and you've got dozens and dozens of translations right at your fingertips. And... Like, when you think about it, we have, like, this is, this is a library, a library of knowledge that would make some of our Christian forefathers, you know, things like, you know, Martin Luther, John Calvin, it would make them wet their shorts. I mean, it is just, like, there is so much, inf- we have more information in your pocket than in the ancient libraries of Alexandria. I mean, p- places that were the highlight of the, of the world. And it's right there, and strangely enough, for most of most of especially, you know, Western culture, we have all this information, all these scriptures, and we go, and we find other things to do, don't we? You realize any one of those translations on the Bible app or your paper Bible or whatever, however you access God's word, any one of those translations, there are countries in the world where having that will be, would be considered criminal. Why? Because, because the I mean, horrible government structures and dictators and all the people who you know, run those countries, know that the words in that Bible app, the words in that Bible are so life-transforming, it would change their society. That's why they don't want their people to see it. These words, these words of God that have been passed on to us, that we have unparalleled access to, are the most powerful words in existence. The very word of God. Let me just meet some of you yelling. I'm sorry. <laughs> Smell the popcorn. It'll wake you up. And, and, at least here in the developed West, we are largely missing it. We look at our own heritage. The, inf- the, the, the evidence is abundant around us. Who has ever been to Washington, D.C.? 
Is it possible to walk through Washington, D.C. And, and, and fail to notice that many, if not most, of the founding fathers of our nation were Christians? I mean, we see Scripture everywhere. True, even, um, for those of you who are joining us from Canada, true, even in Ottawa. There's a Christian heritage to modern democracy. Where do you think hospitals came from? Where do you think human rights came from? Where do you think the Geneva Convention is based on? All these things, all these things we just take for granted. And they're right in front of us. They will be looking, but not seeing. They'll have ears. They can't listen. Because their hearts have become calloused. Now, I, now I don't believe that Paul was necessarily talking about us here in America when he was quoting these words to the Jews. To his, to his Jewish brethren, to, out of his own frustration that some of the people that he knew and loved and the heritage that he grew up in was just blind to the reality of the Messiah that was just, a, like just plain Jane, apparent in the scriptures that they, re, that they all read. And by the way, like, tiny little side note, then I'll come back to, to the main point here. You know how in, in, in modern evangelicalism we get really obsessed with the end times? Like, when is Jesus coming back? And I firmly believe he is. We get really excited about that. I'm reminded that the Pharisees, for example, in Jesus' time, they knew the scriptures. They, they had, they had the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, in most cases memorized. Some, kind, some cases, just to show off, they memorized it backwards as well. Literally knew the five, first five books of the Bible, sometimes forwards and backwards. And the prophecies of Jesus are, are throughout. And Jesus was the fulfillment of hundreds and hundreds of prophecies. And they were so convinced that they knew what, how the Messiah was going to appear that some of them looked Jesus right in the eye as they're watching him as he's doing miracles, watching him as he's teaching like no other person in human history and saying, you're not him, I want to kill you. That, my friends, should give us a humility as we read the Bible, as we look forward to the return of Christ. We've got to be careful that we're not so locked in our own expectations of exactly how God is going to work that we don't see how God is actually working. Now, that doesn't mean it's a, that's, a, that's an anything-goes approach. Remember Acts 15, as, a, as, as the early church is trying to figure out like, what to make of the Gentiles, there are still ethical standards. We still have a respect for life. There's still fundamental sexual morality. There's still some, some, some rules about common community so that we're not just, um, uh, we're not just needlessly offensive to our brothers and sisters in Christ, those principles still apply. 
but God is on the move all around the world. Just in terms of the vitality of the gospel, not so much here. Most churches in North America are on the decline. Most of them. In fact, the recent Barna study says 80% churches are in decline. Could it be that even in our, our day and age where we have more scientific information or more knowledge, all of which, all of which as we take a close look points to God, as we have more, more biblical and studies and tools, I mean, libraries in our pockets, as we have the Christian heritage, the Judo-Christian heritage that surrounds us at every turn in our culture that our very civilization was built on top of, that we could have all that evidence and still be so hyper-stimulated, so distracted, so self-absorbed, so closed off to the supernatural, to intuition, to imagination, that we can have all of that in front of us and not see it. And not see it. And I don't say that just to you know, wag our finger at culture and Western world and all that stuff. Because, because even as we, you know, as I wag my finger, I'm, I'm wagging my finger at you right now, and, and there's three fingers pointing right back at me. How are you? How am I? Paying attention to God's work in the world around us. Lord, increase my passion for your word. Lord, increase my, my zeal, my desire to take advantage of every opportunity in front of me, to share the love of God with the people I see and encounter, to treat people with the kind of grace that I've, I've received from God. And as opportunity arises to tell people where that grace comes from, That we, we, may we not be people who have eyes but do not see, have ears but do not hear. And then Paul says the thing, um, to his Jewish brethren, after he's kind of told them off with the Isaiah passage, he, he comes in with an observation that to a certain degree I think is valid for us to hear as well. Now, it's not exactly the same situation, but uh, Acts 28, verse 28. Let's finish things off with this. Therefore, Paul says to his Jewish brethren, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles. 
They will listen. Now, 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 Paul, throughout his ministry, he got in lots of trouble because he kept starting Gentile churches and people that, that, his, people that his Jewish brethren would say are outside of the plan of God step, kept finding themselves at the very center of God's will as they received Jesus as their Savior, as people were, unlikely people were responding to God everywhere. And you know, friends, even as we rightly show some concern about what's happening in the world around us, and I hope that in the ways that we live, we can be part of turning that trend around here in a developed West, that we would not be so distracted by our stupid little devices that we, that we fail to look at the larger world around us, that we would not be so self-absorbed, that we wouldn't go the same way of culture, of just more me, 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 me. that we would be open to God's work and realize and realize that God is at work around the world right now like crazy. We are on the cusp, friends, of their... Now, I realize these, some of these numbers are a little hard to measure, but we are on the cusp of us having more Christians in China than in the United States. I, I'm, I, you know, many of you know I'm in a, a doctoral studies program, and um, my, my mentor in the program, Leonard Sweet, we were on a Zoom call uh, a couple weeks ago as part of our class, super early in the morning here, but it was 10 o'clock at night in the place where he was, because he was in Seoul, Korea. And he just, just finished leading a, a Sunday night service, like the small service at the church there, where 6,000 people showed up. Or, or, or recently at a, at a prayer meeting in Indonesia that because of people's work schedules started at 2 o'clock in the morning and thousands of people showed up to be prayed over, just to be prayed over. God is on the move around the world. The church is growing at unprecedented rates in Africa right now in unprecedented rates, in South Korea right now. And this, maybe this is a little bit of a... On this Veterans Day, I think of the men and women from the United States that served in Korea and enabled South Korea to, to maintain a democracy and freedom. And because of that, thank you, veterans, Because of that, South Korea is free, and it is exploding with the gospel. And we're ignoring it here, by and large. What a strange sacrifice. So here's here's how I I thought we might close. Um, I want to put up, um, it's a short little video. There's, there's no sound to it, um, but just a short video of just some, of the, some, of the, some photos and videos that I was able to collect this week from some of the, some of the work of the, inter, like the international church. And as these images just roll by, just to be thinking about and grateful for the ways that God is moving in the world, 
and that you and I and we might also pray as we are praying for the, you know, the, the, the church around the world where remarkable things are happening, to say, Lord, I want a part of that. Help me to not be someone who is so distracted, whose heart is so calloused, who's so preoccupied with my own little thing that I don't see what you're doing. Open my eyes, Lord. I want to see Jesus. We show that clip. see Jesus, to reach out and touch Him. Pray with me. And say that we love Him. Open our ears, Lord, and help us to listen. Will you stand with me and pray? Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus to reach out and touch Him and say that we love Him. Open our to see 